it, it, it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. The, the Sports Hit List presents Smokin' Mirrors with Declan Krogman and the Polius Brothers, Greg and Stefan, breaking down the biggest news in sports, giving you the stories behind the story, here for all the smoke, all the time, right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Good afternoon and welcome to the Friday edition of Smoking Mirrors presented by the Sports Hitlist on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. I'm your host, Stephen Polius, alongside my fellow hosts, Decker Crosman and Greg Polius. How you guys doing today? Deck, how you doing? How was your week, man? Uh, it's been a busy week. Uh, not bad. I got my braces off, finally. <laughs> Obviously, we got a big show to talk about. Let's get into it. Nice, nice. Greg, how about you? How you doing? I'm week? doing all right. Uh, week's been a little difficult, not going to lie. I got a lot on my mind. Um... Before I get to everything that's on my mind, I just want to say prayers out to uh, those out in St. Vincent and the Grenadines, the volcano La Soufrière, uh, the area in which the volcano was, you know, it's ash and volcanic, uh, you know, rocks and stuff like that. It's it's, it's not a good scene. Um, so I have a couple of friends that are doing some charity work and for uh, Vincey Strong and putting together items to ship to St. Vincent for people in need. I believe 16 to 20,000 people have been displaced. And then also, you know, prayers out to the the neighboring islands like St. Lucia, Barbados, and Martinique that are also affected from the volcanic ash raining down on their islands. Great on that. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, And before we get into any sports thing, you know, it's always going to be – sports is never going to go anywhere in this country. But sometimes we have to tackle, you know, real-life issues that affect us every day. And for me, I want to just touch on Dante Wright. You know, may he rest in peace. Um, And there's a particular part of this this story that that really sits the wrong way with me. And it's the notion that – Every no matter what side of the political spectrum you fall on, the I, I see far too many people say, "Well, he shouldn't have resisted. He shouldn't have moved away." Um, when the truth of the matter is, every single person who said that, it's very easy to say that from the confines of your own home until you've been in that situation. It's to to say he shouldn't have resisted is to not put yourself in that predicament in that very moment at that time in his life. And I'm speaking from experience. I have been falsely arrested for a warrant I didn't know I had. And whenever the cop tells you, please, not not please, because the cops that I've had told me, step out of the vehicle. Uh, We'll discuss it after we get out. But my thing is, why do we have to discuss it when I get out? Why can't you let me know? What's going on? So I can discuss with you if there's some type of clerical error or not, because that was what happened in the case of Dante Wright. He never even was issued, you know, the the necessary paperwork. Um, I'm not even going to touch on the misinformation campaign behind that. But so now I get cuffed in broad daylight and he's telling me that, well, your license has been suspended multiple times. I'm like, wait, wait a minute. You're cuffing me in broad daylight like I'm an actual criminal, and my, my license was never even suspended. Well, we'll go down to the station and figure it out. Now, I was 32 or 33 when that happened, so I was much more measured in my approach to this particular officer, even though he was dead wrong, than I would have been at 20 years old. 
And after he cuffed me, if I was 20 years old and he grabbed me by the arm, I have no idea how I would have reacted, especially given today, if it was today's social climate 10 to 12 years ago, I probably would have tried to get back in my car too. Cause at that point I am frightened for my life. I am scared for my life. Not one person, not one detractor ever said that kid might've feared for his life. It was, he shouldn't have, he shouldn't have resisted arrest. What, what if he didn't know why he was being arrested? Did anybody ever stop to ask themselves that? And it's really frustrating seeing that because they don't think of these these kids or these people as human beings. They think of them as statistics. And I could have been that could have been me. That could have been you, Steph. That could have been all the brother Garrison, you know, and it's frustrating when people try to defend certain actions that are indefensible. So, you know, uh, prayers out to his family. They can never get him back. That's something they're going to have to deal with. And I just hope that we as a country moving forward can understand that. People are people, not statistics. Yeah, that, that, I mean, everything you said, you know, nose on the head. And I remember when that happened to you and, 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 you know, the feelings you were going through. And again, like you said, he's 20, you know, and, and to expect to, people at 20 years old, when if, if every person that ha- is critical, that was, that is critical, I should say, uh, of Dante Wright, uh, could place themselves in their 20 year old self and expect to do, always do the right thing or to know what to do. It's, it's, it's really foolish. And you ask a lot of, of people in those moments, one of the scariest moments in your life, you know, Absolutely. when you know at that point that you've been pulled over by a police officer, you are a black man, you know, what happens every time, you know, just about every time that this happens is it, it, it whether you you leave with your life or, 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 you know, you don't or your dignity like this, there's, there's going to be uh, uh, an unpleasant altercation and um, the the expectation that you're going to be poised in one of your worst moments is just foolish. And just just to note, like I legitimately have PTSD when there are sirens that are and I'm driving and sirens pull up behind me. I start to shake because I don't know what's going to happen at this point. And my license could be totally clean, but it all, it, it, it never fails. It always, you know, yeah. it, it always there. That- and I was lucky. I had the privilege to have people in my corner who were high ranking court officers or who were, uh, you know, former first grade and NYPD detectives to make calls to get me out within 12 hours uh, out of central bookings. But had I not had that, I would have been jailed um, for overnight for essentially a wrongful arrest. Because when I went to the DMV the very next day, only to find out my license was never actually suspended. And the system the NYPD uses, NYPD uses, doesn't operate on the same wavelength as the state. So it did. it wasn't in sync. Yeah, I mean, that's horrible, man. Um, just kind of thinking about that whole thing. It's from Dante Wright and from your story. It's uh, obviously an emotional way to talk about the show. Uh, to start the show, excuse me, but it's a conversation that we have to talk about. Um, obviously, my father has never had the conversation with me. Um, he hasn't had to. Um, what to do when you get pulled over with the, by the cops? Because we live in two different Americas uh, in, in that in that situation. And that's why, that's why it's so tough. And I do notice, and you bring up a great point, people saying like, Oh, don't resist. Don't do this. Don't do that. When they could never be in that position, like literally mentally, emotionally, you can think that you're trying to put yourself in that position, but you really can't because it's physically impossible. At least for me as a white, as a white man or a white kid or whatever, um, 
to find myself in that position because I'm not black. I'm not necessarily being targeted by the cops or altercations with the police don't go over as smoothly as, as it would me being white. So that's, that's my piece. Um, I, I don't really, I don't know how much I have to say about it that, that is going to even compare to what you guys, um, have brought to the table today. Um, but I would just say that, you know, prayers out to Dante, right? It's a horrible situation. We've seen athletes across the country taking breaks from, uh, from playing and rightfully so it's emotionally draining. And, um, there's really no way to wrap your head around it. And, and the one thing I'll say, and I'll end on this is, um, if you're focusing on Dante Wright or what warrant he may have had or wrongfully had or whatever you think the story is, and Greg said he didn't want to get into the misinformation campaign, I won't either. Um, just remember that that a cop a cop tried to put a taser at him and, and accidentally fired a gun. That doesn't happen. It's inexcusable. You know it. I know it. A random person on the street could pick up a taser and a gun and know the difference, let alone a cop who supposedly has good training. Uh, which might be a myth, uh, but that's what I got to say on that. Yeah. Um, no, thank you for that deck, you know, and, and you, and you're right. As far as the training part of it, she's a 26 year veteran. Uh, so it wasn't like she was just fresh out of the academy. Kid. Yeah. She, she, she's been in many situations and that, that's just, um, it's, it's disgusting and it's not a, an excuse that you can have. Um, but Greg, I just want to say, you know, thank you for sharing. That's not easy. You know, it's not easy to hear. It's not easy to share. So, uh, yeah, thank you. But for all those at home, uh, we are a sports show, so we will get to our sports. So thank you for, for taking the time to listen to us and, 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 and partake in this conversation with us. Uh, but we do have some breaking news uh, via the, uh, the Athletic where the, now there's another scandal in the Mets organization. All right. So in in this scenario, it is there are two um, staffers, I believe, uh, two that I, that uh, that I read about. It was David Newman and Joe DeVito. They were accused of sexual misconduct uh, and well, it's the allegations out there of sexual misconduct by the both of them, by former staffers. And the way that this is kind of playing out is similar to what we've heard about Mickey Calloway and, and Jared Porter. Uh, in their, in this case, it's solely uh, uh, with the organization, whereas Jared Porter and Mickey Calloway were, you know, situations that took place outside of the Mets. But these staffers uh, apparently went to their head of HR. Uh, I think her name is Holly Linval. Linval, Linval, Linval. I think I so, say. Yeah. yeah, but they went to HR like anyone would do with an issue at any company because they feel threatened. They, they feel unsafe. And those complaints never went anywhere. There was never anything le leveled against the perpetrators, which, you know, there, there's a whole other piece there about HR in the workplace. But the the reports have come out now uh we have at least in one case david newman was rehired by the mets um this offseason i believe and in the case of joe devito joe devito stepped away in march saying he wanted to uh reevaluate his career I'm, I'm paraphrasing there but um i'll i'll, I'll break it out. i'll let you guys speak on it what do you think uh deck how do you feel where do where do you think this falls for the like for the mets moving forward and just for the mlb uh, it's damaging 100% as it should be. Uh, it's a horrible situation. Um, yet again, we're just being sadly um, 
and unfortunately reminded that in, in today's Major League Baseball uh, or today's corporate world in general, um, women are, are fallen abuse, uh, fallen uh, victim to abuse uh, time and time again. Um, and I, I'd like to also mention because Ken Rosenthal, um, somebody named Strong, I forgot her first name, broke this, and also uh, Britt Garaldi um, broke this uh, broke this story, uh, which is very interesting to me because she was uh, one of the I forget how many was one of, one of the multiple uh, women who Mickey Calloway had uh, had had inappropriate relations or inappropriate messages or one way relations with, should I say? Um, so that's pretty. That's got to be pretty. You know, not necessarily refreshing, but but very important for her to get her voice out and especially to break this story to just kind of continue to take down this whole misconduct in, in major league baseball and in sports in general. I just, I think that's excellent for her. Uh, so props to her, uh, Ken Rosendahl, the athletic published a story. Um, Chuck Baldy was all over that a couple of days ago saying it was going to come out, came out this morning before the show. Um, it's, it's a horrible situation, Greg. Well, shout out to, to Steve Cohen for, hiring an outside uh, independent yes. law firm to get to the bottom of this because clearly uh, as i mentioned when i was on uh, the gray area podcast with ray jarvis shout out to him that the the wilpons never actually cared about baseball they cared about real estate and whatever other business ventures they had baseball was not their sole focus um and they allowed this culture to grow uncontrollable and didn't care to address it, which is why we have what we have today in the report from the athletic and their inability to, um, to cover or to, 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 to reprimand uh, men that were in positions of power when they did wrong is, is, is so problematic. And I'm happy that Steve Cohen is actually taking a stance and trying to get to the bottom of it. It's the thing he has to do, though. I think as as the as new ownership, uh, at the very least, Steve Cohen has to have an outside you know, investigation, essentially. And I think that's he made the right move. Um, I I'm not going to sit there and say that, like, you know, he would be complicit moving forward because we don't know that. But mm -hmm. at the very least, he started on the right foot. I will say, though, because now you're, you're dealing with a, a component and your team president and Sandy Alderson, who's a part of these, some of these decisions and it was aware or should have been aware of mm -hmm. what was taking place in this organization. I think for the case of uh, David Newman, he, there were um, complaints about his, you know, inappropriate comments towards women's appearances. And in one case he gave a woman an unsolicited back rub and that's from 2005 to 2018. So this man had a history with mm -hmm. the organization that doesn't just go back a few years, you know, and then you have Sandy who, uh, you know, came out in a, in a statement and said, not every instance involving men and women in the workplace is a capital offense, okay? Every time something happens, it doesn't mean somebody had to be fired. Now, that to me is not necessarily the message you want to put out there, but he At did all. go on, he did go on to say that there are intermediate steps that they can and have taken in different cases, uh, but not every case uh, that rises to the level of execution. So you do, you know, you have Jared Porter, you have, well, Mickey Calloway didn't have to be fired by the Mets, but there he was, was uh, that bad of a manager. He shouldn't have been hired in the first place. So. <laughs> yeah, he shouldn't have, he shouldn't, he should not have been. But as far as when he's talking about these intermediate steps, I personally have not seen them. So to say that they're taking steps to reprimand, that doesn't have to be firing, you know, it doesn't seem like that. 
he's belittling to me the complaints of the people, the staffers, you know, these these lower level uh, people in the organization that are feeling mistreated by those in power. Um, and, you know, to say that, well, every offense doesn't really need to be that big. It's not it's not a capital offense. It, he's missing the mark. And and I think that I this agree. is ubiquitous in sports, though. You'll see this everywhere. Oh, that word again. Hey, baby, it's gonna come out every now and then, and it, it needed oh to stretch its legs. It's been it's been a few days. Um, it was Bringing out the encyclopedia. <laughs> but yes, it, it is something that is uh, ubiquitous, pervasive in sports. You're going to see it happening time and time again. We have seen it happen. So when we take the these situations and you know we try to make it isolated, you know issues, it very much isn't because we can connect the dots. Now both. I'll say just to finish up, both David Newman and Joe DeVito denied uh, these allegations with, uh, I believe, David Newman saying he's unaware of, of this issue. And then uh, Joe DeVito um, straight up saying that it, it didn't happen, and that any time that he's been in the workplace or been around uh, colleagues, he's he's acted appropriately. Um, I have a hard time believing that, you know, just just given the the, the, the context and the context. And and the the uh, kind of history around the organization under the Wilpons. Yes, I think that's the big thing there. That this happened under their ownership, and we haven't heard about it prior to. I just, it's, just, it's like the stain of of Jeff and Fred that just won't go away. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I would I would agree with that. Um, but I mean, I don't want to focus on just their ownership because like that Steve Cohen could potentially fall into that same pitfall. It's it's not like it's, 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 but he could also write the ship though. I'm he not could. saying he can't, I'm just saying he's already in his short tenure has done more to address the situation than the previous owners and his Which is very good. I would, yeah. I would say. I would say yes. I just don't want to give out flowers and commend people for what should be just a ba- like a base level okay, hear, understanding of how you approach this. If yeah. there's a complaint like this, if you see something that that again as that is as pervasive as this has been, you should be doing this, getting an outside investigation and 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 a part of that because you know I, I read into that as well that they're looking into uh, workplace misconduct, uh, focusing on sexual harassment. And discrimination issues. So mm-hmm. it's it's a specific you know area specific areas they're looking at and analyzing mm-hmm. to uh, see what has transpired in this organization and maybe you know start to cut out those cancers. But and this is the problem that we see in all sports when someone has relevance to an organization, whether it's a player or maybe it's a front office with their connections or whatever. However, they provide for the team, your that importance can supersede you know those actions which is why these executives get the the get you know to skate by more, more often than not because they provide a service they provide more to the organization there than if they were to leave so i'm hoping this investigation is fruitful it comes because there's going to be more there should be more because this is only what the the athletic is reporting on mm-hmm. there i'm sure there are other cases within this organization um that this is taking place we just have to see what is what yields from mm. this investigation. That that to me is important. Yeah, this has just gotten started. There's going to be yeah. oh, absolutely, out, yeah, and definitely. And there's going to be there's going to be repercussions and um, more punishments or potentially more more people being ousted of uh, of their jobs, and rightfully so. If this is true, I think that is the punishment that should be handed down 100. Especially if a guy's going to come out and deny it. But we'll see. Just like we kept the same energy with, you know, the whole Deshaun Watson situation, I guess. 
we're going to have to at least look at this from, I don't want to say both sides at all, but we're going to have to look at this and examine everything that goes on over the, over the course of the next couple of weeks. Uh, but it looks terrible for the Mets and it's a culture that wouldn't, it, let's be honest guys, it would not surprise if us, if any of this is true. It almost feels like it, it feels like it's too true. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely gets that vibe. Given, given the organization. Uh, and uh, Ed, shout out to Eddie Williams, uh, uh, avid uh, fan of the sports hit list, in the comments said, the Mets organization is a train wreck. I don't know if I agree with that It's in its entirety. I think for this specific portion, the Mets have not handled it well based on who's been in the front office. But as far as the Mets organization being a train wreck, eh, nah. I, I will say, as long as there no. are men in the front office – of uh, which is predominantly every organization in sports, you will have these situations. Not one organization has a closet that doesn't have skeletons in it. So to look at this situation and say it's specific to the Mets is to try to believe that other organizations are squeaky clean. And especially when we talk about, you know, going back to something else we spoke about on a prior show, cheating in baseball, it's the same thing where you can't find an organization that isn't trying to do that because it gave them an advantage. In this case, no one was calling out these executives and the people that were complaining to HR in these cases were not, nothing was happening. So why would you continue to be a problem, put a target on your back. If you know that the people that you're supposed to, that's supposed to help you are not helping you. If anything, they're only letting your perpetrators know that you complained. And that is, that's problematic. And I, I just want to end on that, that HR piece, because that, that is important, not just in, in sports, that's for any company. You know, and, and you have, uh, I think it was, uh, they didn't put, put any names on it, but there was a quote here saying, you know, it was clear that the interest was protected, was protecting ownership and executives and not the office as a whole. That to me is what you never want to see, but unfortunately is very common where, yeah. you know, when you try, when you think that HR is there for you to protect you, to help you when you feel defenseless, they are there. They're truly not because what was that HR person doing? She was protecting her herself and the company you know so yeah it, it's it's something to think about but ladies and gentlemen we're going to break uh please stick around we're going to be talking a, a little bit more about baseball uh give you some fun facts hopefully that you enjoy this is smoke and mirrors it's presented by the sports it's on the worldwide sports radio network we'll be right back it, it, it's the worldwide sports radio network radio network This is Smoke and Mirrors on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back. This is Smoke and Mirrors presented by the Sports Hitlist on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. I'm your host, Stephen Polius, alongside my fellow hosts, Declan Krogman and Greg Polius. So we are talking a little baseball before uh, before the break, but now that you're with us now, we're going to get into uh, a little college, ba- you know, a little college baseball, I would say. You know, and I want to lead it with sports. This. You know, college sports. You're right. You're right. It's college sports, you know, because we have March Madness behind us and the NFL draft is ahead of us. You, know, you have two collegiate sports that have dominated headlines. But what about college baseball? Yeah, that's something that gets lost in the shuffle very often. You know, we're all baseball guys on this show, so we understand the hierarchy, you know, as far as it goes with the networks. Uh, I would say all of us except for Greg. Uh, he's our, our resident uh, host that is just against the grain, no matter what. But uh, Greg believes 80% college, of the time. 
I would say 90. Don't 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 do yourself any favors. It's about 90. <laughs> I was I was kind of going to go like 95. <laughs> but uh, Greg believes that while college basketball and football are you know the breadwinners for collegiate sports, it is actually baseball that's the most exciting of them all. You know, so Greg, I'm going to let you take it away and explain to the folks at home why you believe <sighs> college baseball truly is the most exciting collegiate sport. Okay, I'm, let me start by asking a question. With the past uh, NCAA tournament, what were the biggest stories that drove the headlines? Is that rhetorical? Should I ask it? Should I answer? You no, want no, the no, answer? No, I, no <laughs> I want the answer. I want the answer. I want the oh, answer. can I give a few? All right. Uh, yeah, well, I would say the Jalen Suggs. Um, uh-huh. Well, well, from a team perspective, not an individual oh, player. Well, from a team perspective, I, be- I believe. I believe the answer you're looking for is Gonzaga going for the uh, perfect season. No. Oh there was wow. Something bigger not- than that. I am it was something not bigger fitting. than that. That it was like a fever pitch when it happened, or am it I happened a few times. Greg's, Greg's I mean, I guess every every, every uh, upset, every upset. There we go. Upset, upset. Sister Jean. No, every. <laughs> come on, guy. Every year, the biggest draw in the tournament is who's gonna upset who because it's a one-game tournament, right? Mm-hmm. And you have, but but the difference with. Football, college football, and college basketball, the parity levels is not there in football. Like, it's very rare you're going to get an Appalachian state to beat an LSU. Like, that almost never happens. May happen once every 50 years. In college basketball, only recently has have upsets become more prevalent where you have like a 13 beating a five or uh, 16 beating a one. Yeah, but I think, what's that happened? Once or twice? <laughs> yeah. But Virginia and uh, in college baseball, this particular sport at the collegiate level has the most parity out of even in 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 college soccer and college lacrosse. The better teams always almost always win. That doesn't happen in college baseball. When I was at Hofstra, uh, Old Dominion was ranked, I think, 23rd or 24th, and we beat them in a season series. Obviously, it didn't make headlines because who the hell cares about Hofstra versus ODU on some random weekend in March? No Mm -hmm. one. But if we as Americans and as fans, as co- um, consumers of the sport, enjoy upset so much, if the TV networks did right by the by college baseball, it would be a lot bigger. Like, for instance, I always talk about blue blood, blue blood collegiate uh, schools like a Duke or uh, UNC in basketball. In baseball, you ha- in baseball, you have your Cal State Fullertons, um, Vanderbilt's. University of Florida, like those are like kind of the upper echelon schools. In 2019 College Baseball World Series and the Super Regionals, Dallas Baptist University swept University of Florida. Can you imagine? Um, Noah Syndergaard's uh, alma mater. Yeah. Can you imagine Dallas Baptist beating Florida in football or in basketball? No, it would never happen. It, like it wouldn't even be televised. But Cancel that this happened. That's what I'm saying. But this happens all the time in collegiate baseball. Even St. John's, you know, our hometown school made it to the Super Regionals one year. Nobody expected them. They had a great program. I think it was like 2017 or 2018. And on top of that, the difference between college baseball and and MLB baseball is the fans are much closer. So everybody loves a good heckle, right? Steph, you play college baseball. When you go to a, a big-time program that you're playing against, those fans are right on top of you. Some of the heckling is actually hilarious. It would make for great TV content. Plus, you could hear what's going on in the dugout. Um, Declan, when you were watching Yankees-Blue uh, Jays, what were some of the most fun aspects of that particular game in the Blue Jays' new stadium? 
um i guess was were they getting heckled i didn't even hear no but you hear the players in the dugout oh yeah you know what i love i love when a guy like jeff mcneil strikes out and he yells like mf for like uh like that time when (laughs) like that time when greg uh struck out that guy and he broke his bat and it went on sports center (laughs) that's that's what i like i like that to greg but that's actually why i watch but what i'm saying is like the the collegiate baseball atmosphere is a lot more entertaining when you watch it at, for the casual fan as opposed to a major league game especially if you're watching the yankees booth <laughs> uh i just want to say uh, we gotta take shots at michael <laughs> k like that's so unnecessary i mean it, it's an easy target though that's low-hanging fruit michael k oh absolutely no not michael k if you want to go no, no 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 the booth as a whole the booth as a whole right. no, true true but i mean he's a part of that booth so way, I mean, he's low-hanging fruit they're all low-hanging fruit i don't know if i said this last episode or if i said this during the chat but you Mets fans, you always got to find something that has nothing to do with on play, on field play that's better well, than like everyone Steph else. Said, like Steph said, it was low hanging fruit, so I just took it. I just, <laughs> it was there. It was easy. You know what? But uh, take all your shots on Michael K. He's he's got the best show on the, on on television, in my opinion. But uh, whatever, we can talk about. It. We can talk. Let's go back to this college baseball stuff. So yeah, Carl, uh, Carl said in the comments, "Where do we even watch college baseball?" And this is part of the problem. I because I watch I watch a ESPN ton of college baseball eight. on ESPN U, mm-hmm. ESPN three. It's ne- and it's the only really mainstream until we get to the super regionals because those are the best teams in the country. Um, but it's ripe for upsets because we love upsets. But ESPN doesn't push the product because the TV contracts aren't there. If the TV contracts were there, I think a lot of people would be able to see the product on display. And and not only that. What's what's one of the great things about college football and college basketball? You get to see the stars of tomorrow today. So when we watched a Zion at Duke or we watched a who, who Anthony Edwards at Georgia and you were like, these guys are going to be good. We're watching right now at, at Vanderbilt. Well, I know I'm watching. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, Jack, Leiter. Jack yeah. Leiter is a legit prof- MLB pitcher. Clips playing at the collegiate level right now. And if ESPN would would actually promote Vanderbilt's games, people would tune in. Vanderbilt has two starters, Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker, that project to be number one and number two starters in the MLB in the next three to four years. Like, if Jack Leiter made it to the MLB at the end of this season when Ross is expanded, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, he's projected to be a top five pick, in my opinion. Yeah, he's so great. And you know what his reward's going to be? He's gonna play for the yeah, Pirates. Uh, that's gonna suck. That's they... horrible. First of all, no, he's not. He's not gonna turn the organization around. But uh, Jack Leiter, I don't know if it was mentioned, but Al Leiter's son, right? Uh, yeah, point. Al Leiter's son, cousin Al, of. Uh, out those for those that Leiter? didn't know. Yeah. Um, Mark Leiter. Well, Paul Lawson. Shout out to Paul Lawson in the comments. He said nobody watched Anthony Edwards in Georgia. I was just giving an example of a top pick performing in college. Zion. That... Even even people watch Lonzo. I mean, yeah. Well, whether I mean, you that, think that's more the brand that is the, the his well, father. Yes. Yeah. 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 The one thing I'll say though about about college baseball, and I I disagree with you, but I also get where you're coming from. Uh, the one thing is that with college baseball is that people are looking to watch the stars of tomorrow. Sometimes even these these really good players are the stars of three years from now, like you said. Like the instant gratification thing that you know Jeter that's was fair. talking very about true. with everything. Very true. Mm-hmm. It, it works. It works with fans too, knowing that okay, this guy might be great, but I'm not going to see him until 2025. You yeah. know, things are definitely different when it comes to baseball as opposed to the sports where you get drafted and you're in the pros immediately. That's a very good point. I, 
I, it is a very good point. I think part of that problem also is MLB marketing. Who totally like after a player gets drafted, we lose track of him unless we're a fan of that team. Like when Michael Conforto got drafted out of uh, OK State, I knew where he was when he was because I'm a Met fan. But when Steven Strasburg got drafted out of San Diego State, I was like, eh, first this, overall, this, first overall, this yeah. guy's going to be great, but I don't care about him until he gets to the big leagues. So I definitely see where you're coming from. And if MLB can market, say, like their minor league games, because it'll be real nice to see guys go like, say, Jack Leiter gets drafted by the Pirates. Right. They ASPN, you know, shows on a Saturday afternoon. Slot, hey, let's look at Jack Leiter and his first ever minor league start. They do this for high school basketball for before guys even make a high school All-American game. Bronny James. Obviously, his father's Bronny is is LeBron James, but Bronny wow. James has played nationally televised games as a freshman in high school. So, the marketing aspect is there if they want to do it. Yeah, I mean, like oh, I love that meme about uh, about Bronny James where it's like he says he doesn't want to wear twenty three, so he doesn't want to know uh, know who that is, and they're like yeah. the public address <laughs> announcers, like like Bronny James number four. Hey, yo, who's that guy? <laughs> like, no yeah. idea. Um, but going back to the college baseball thing, um, I'm trying to get out what because we talked about a lot. There's since some then. really good questions in the comments, by the way. Absolutely, there's it. there's a t- there's a ton. Um, oh, got it. So what's kind of funny, and you mentioned Steven Strasburg going first overall. That, that reminds me of when the next year by the same team, the Nationals, Bryce Harper went first overall. And how weird the MLB marketing is, and how they kind mm-hmm. of just like do nothing to college baseball. You see a lot of these guys get drafted out of high school, um, and Bryce Harper was a high school dropout. Uh, went didn't graduate high school uh went to, obviously it worked out fine but he didn't graduate high school he went to like a junior college for i forget was it a year or two whatever it was and, what what was it why his name stuck out after he did that is because he went to a wood bat juco league yes so it, th- it, that made headlines the mlb marketed him more than any player that's really played i think the mlb has marketed that prospect in bryce harper more than they've marketed anybody for the past that was a big social media push as well though i think it wasn't just the mlb like everyone was obsessed with bryce harper and this story you know and yeah. people are starting fair, to get that vibe with lighter though a little bit not at that extent but they're still starting to get that okay this kid's throwing flames no hitters at vanderbilt like yes, let's maybe yeah. market him up a little more the mlb social media team isn't half bad either um bryce harper also did a great job of marketing himself yes his youtube clips of his whole his his, his bp Man, were phenomenal you know yeah. but uh yeah. to paul lawson's question um and he's asking about the last three minor league players yeah i kind of touched on it paul but a part of the issue is even after college because we knew like a guy like uh what's this phillies ace aaron nola from lsu we knew he's gonna uh, be a star. young pick you know Alex Bregman, also out of LSU. We knew these guys were going to be good. But when they got to the minor leagues, we didn't hear about them. And that's because the MLB doesn't push their minor league product, which is why it was so easy for them to cut it out like that with no with no uh, real pushback. Because they don't do – they do their own product a disservice. The thing that I also think to see – go ahead, Seth. I was going to say, I think that the um... – the part of not pushing the minors is that you underpay a lot of these guys, right? Even, even the studs that go in there. And I think to put a, a focus on emphasis and then make them a product, you would have to pay them, right? This isn't like it's, it's NCAA and you could just market them and they get no money. Like you would, you would have to then invest more into these minor league players that 
you know, you, you end up taking in because, you know, the, the baseball draft yeah, is so long. There's so many players that you ultimately end up having this huge pool that you're hoping that, you know, like the guys that we draft in the top are going to be worthwhile and they're going to contribute to the organization. But if you're not paying them that much, you're not really taking a huge loss. And th that investment into um, the players, I think, is one part of it. But I also will say, Greg, just to go back to what you were saying at the top about, um, you know, the upsets. I think those upsets are important and people do like it, but it's also gameplay. And we still have the issue of gameplay being a problem for casual fans to enjoy when it comes to baseball. So until you start to like change that a little bit, it would still be hard for me to see people buying into um, and the like, you know collegiate okay, baseball as a viable option for them to watch and enjoy. Because it still takes a like it's still a long game to watch, and it could be very slow for people to stay engaged. Yeah, I I, I don't disagree with that per se. I do think that um, you know the metal bats they make a difference in yes. in gameplay. Yes, they, they do. make a very big difference in gameplay. As much as I would love college to go to wood bats, uh, uh, to I think make that's players. Important for Yes, I think that's important for player development and you yes. know, let it, allowing guys to go through the yeah. system quicker instead of staying in double A super long or just high A because they aren't used to it. Absolutely, but there's too much money to be made from a metal from playing in uh from metal a metal bat, or, metal oh, bat yeah. sponsorships yeah. and everything is too yeah, three, four hundred dollars a bat. You got a guy, a team of twenty-five hitters, you know, it's a lot of money right there. Every every one player gets a bat each. Yeah. So what's great but, to see what's great to see was Michael Conforto though. Like you mentioned, he yeah, you know he right. came from was it Oregon State? I think he came from. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. he came from Oregon State. I think he got drafted tenth overall by the Mets back in 2014, and all of a sudden he goes in 2015, a year, a year and two. Not it was like a year and a month later, 13 months later, um, he's in the big league. Skips through AAA. So a story like that is cool, especially if you see high prospects not linger yeah, on the minors for two to three years, especially I mean, if they played in college. Now, the problem is that's the exception to the rule. But in, in, ter so. in terms of the gameplay, though, um, like I said, the, the, the metal bats make a difference. And I also do think the the aura around the game itself, like two, two counts. You 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 look over at the dugout. You guys, guys got the rituals that they don't do in the big leagues. I don't know if you did that when you were in college. Two, 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 two count, two outs. You rub it on your hat. There's like a certain saying you say. Like it's it's fun. It's infectious. There's smack talking from the dugout uh, that you hear more regularly. The chants. It, it just makes for a more watchable um, experience to the casual fan. In Kids are opinion. more emotional and uh, and insecure. Yes. So you'll get the, uh, not insecure, immature, and they get the uh, the little hot mic moments are, are incredible in college. Oh, I love it. You saw that that guy from Louisville. He walks off the mound. He's yelling "f you" at the hitters, and then he gives up a bomb the next inning, and they lose the championship. <laughs> like that, that is fun. It's good to see. I mean, baseball is humbling, yeah. but uh, but yeah, that that's that's pretty much it. Greg, I think you made some really good points, though. I like while I disagree about the gameplay being something that can. Um, that will lock people in. I do agree that the marketing of minor league players is important and it should be a part of the overall process when you're going from, you know, college player to minor league player to major league player. It's the only sport where you have to um, go through a minor league system, you know, three levels, you oh, know, and to, hockey. To really... hockey does that. Too. Hockey, has oh, a, sorry. hockey has less of a farm though, but, but also a lot of branch out teams. Apologies, did not know that baseball and hockey, but I think more prevalent in, in baseball and being uh, yes. a difficult space to to try and make a name for yourself because you could be an amazing collegiate athlete and then get lost in the minor league system very easily. So 
keeping track of and, and kind of monitoring what the minor leaguers are doing would be so big for baseball. So I, I think you were, you hit the nail on the head. Um, and maybe there's something there. If anyone from the uh, MLB network is listening, you know, you should take notes <laughs> and give us credit, give, yes. give smoke and mirrors credit. Um, but as you see, we're heading to commercial, uh, <laughs> please yeah stay locked in when we come back we're going to be talking about a potential rule change for the mlb something uh that think i think and greg thinks and i think declan as well might be the difference maker so stay tuned this is smoke and mirrors presented by the sports Hitlist on the worldwide sports radio network we'll be right back it, it, it's the worldwide sports radio network radio network This is Smoke and Mirrors on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back. This is Smoking Mirrors on the Sports Hitlist. Oh, sorry, presented by the Sports List. Hitlist on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. I'm your host, Stephen Polius, alongside my fellow host, Declan Krogman, who I believe isn't here right now. You might have lost him for a bit. And Greg Polius. Um, I guess we'll get Greg, um, we'll get Deck when he comes back in. But like I said before break, uh, we were talking about a potential rule change. So the MLB is implementing a new rule in the Atlantic League, which is called the Double Hook Rule. Hold on, before before we the Atlantic League is a professional independent league that that doesn't have any uh, major league baseball affiliates, um, so it's a league where the MLB tries to use rule implementations to try to get different gauges. Continue. Appreciate that, Greg. For those at home, I don't know that, yeah. <laughs> but it's called the double hook rule. Uh, and once it's so essentially what it is is once a team replaces a starting pitcher, they lose their designated hitter for the remainder of the game. All right. So that team will be required to either use a pinch hitter or allow the relief pitcher to hit. And, you know, that's something that when we look at how the game is now, we have the DH rule in the uh, National League. It's looking like they're going to move forward with that uh, in 2022 season. The implications of a starting pitcher now having to, you know, pitch deeper into a game for you to keep your DH will change strategies. So I, I find it very fascinating, very interesting. Uh, Greg, what do, you, what do you think about this this new rule? Is it something that um, you can see working in the uh, MLB, or is it uh, something that you feel like might be a little bit uh, off point? I actually, I actually love this rule. Uh, as you know, I'm a big proponent of complete games, uh, starters, yes. you know, going deep into games. I love that. That's kind of the <laughs> of the mold I'm from and the type of player I am. So I like watching that. And what it does for the, the game of baseball at the major league level is it forces, it does a couple things. It forces managers to ride their starters when they're pitching well, as opposed to taking out a Jacob DeGrom in the fifth inning because of quote unquote matchups or pitch counts. That's only the Mets. That's only the Mets. It's not only the mm, Mets. It's mm. rampant around baseball, but it wasn't as egregious as that. Yes. That was very egregious, under 80 pitches and all that. Um, and be went through like 95 in the snow. Yeah, but what it also will do is it will place more onus contract-wise back on the starters as opposed to uh, late-inning relievers, where it where the money really should be, in my opinion, because there sometimes where closers uh, get in a, an exorbitant amount of money, like a, say a Edwin Diaz, 
cut off of one good year and then can't replicate replicate the success. He could be good this year. He I'm, could I'm be. On Di- I'm, that, on the, but, I'm on the Edwin Diaz train. But here's, like here's the thing. You could be on the train all you want, but he has to prove that. Whereas a Jacob deGrom, a Garrett Cole, we know what these guys are. We know what they're going to yes. give us every time they touch the mound. There's not one Met fan or one baseball fan that can tell you every time Edwin Diaz comes out, I know what I'm going to get. What I want to say real quick is that about Edwin Diaz is even if he's good, you didn't trade for him because he was good. It was because you thought he was going to be amazing and great. Yeah, you know, exactly. he was so dominant in that season that like the Mets, you know, uh, Van Wagen thought that that was uh, that's what we needed. We needed uh, Edwin Diaz in the you know in the ninth inning, and he was going to you know change the game for the Mets. But I think good isn't enough, and you didn't pick him up. You didn't trade for him because of that. I think he can be deck, but he'll he, he I don't see him being what he was in Seattle. And a lot of that has to do with the exposure and the uh, publicity being in the, you know, the, a big city, a major market. Yeah. I mean, you traded for him because you hired an agent as a general manager. So <laughs> that's why you traded. That's why you shipped away. Jared uh, you you uh, can get away with that one. I have no response. Who's going to no be retort. a stud. Uh, yeah. And then, and then they hired Mickey Calloway, who let's just be honest. If Mickey Calloway tried to give us any pitching advice, I think we'd fire a two seamer <laughs> into his ribs uh, at best. I mean, at worst, honestly. But uh, I I do think the rule itself can be good for Major League Baseball, and what it does is, it it um it makes both like sides of fans happy. The casual fan that is like I don't want to see all these pitching changes, and then also the the older, more conservative fan is like I'm tired of all the analytics. It it, it pleases both sides, and you still have the strategy in the game with well, should I hit with my DH now? Because I want to keep, I want to continue getting that spot in the order back. You know, it, it it kind of makes everyone happy, in my opinion. I agree with that. I, I think it'd be nice to see starting pitches go a little bit deeper because they are the they tend to be the more marquee of you know pitchers. There are the handful like the select relief pitchers that you can look forward to or that people might know by name. But it's fewer. There are fewer household names that are relief pitchers than starting pitchers. So to see starters going deeper because a manager now wants to keep their DH knowing that the bottom of the lineup is coming through and you don't want to have to necessarily pinch hit uh, at that at that point. You will keep him in there a little bit longer. I think it'll be very interesting. I hope I'm I'm, I'm excited to see how it goes in the Atlantic League, uh, how that plays out, and then waiting for that to be implemented uh, in you know hopefully next season. But we'll see. Truly, the rule is now you lose you get a DH after you take out your starter. Is that is that what I'm hearing or is that yes? So you lose your DH. The DH is attached to the starting pitcher. So once you remove your starter, you no longer have the DH. You can choose to pinch hit or letting your relief pitcher hit, which we all know we don't want any relief pitcher taking any no ABs. <laughs> so I think I actually think that's pretty good because then you because then you you get the DH and that's an extra I don't want to say an extra roster spot but an extra starting spot. So that yes. helps. And then all the guys that are you know Pablo Sandoval's of the world hitting three home runs that are uh, three pinch hit home runs this season so far, and the game's like thir- the season's like thirteen games in. He still gets to keep his job or really just keep his playing time. So I think that's I don't think that's a terrible idea. I think we saw in the, in the um, pandemic season how beneficial it is to the National League to have a DH. Players yeah. that, you know, that in the Ameri- you, you can only be traded to an American League team before if you didn't have a position on the field. Um, th- that's, no, that's no longer the case. So it just I'm laughing at Speedy said except Carlos Torres. OK, 
All right, good. Because yeah, all right, cool. Because uh, I'm I'm all in my head right now. But <laughs> when it comes to the DH, we've seen that like the improvements that it does to the overall game, the gameplay, I should say. And you know, for the traditionalists, this like you said, Greg, it gives them a, like it's a balance, right? Because mm-hmm. you, you're getting, you maybe you're adding a DH to the NL and you're not too happy about it, but at least you're getting your starting pitchers that are going to go in and do exactly what you want give them like a hundred plus pitches and, you know, be like the, the workhorses that you saw of yesteryear. That's accurate. I feel like, and I feel like even in today's game, listen, I've been all for pitchers batting. I love to see guys like Jacob DeGrom hitting. Uh, I mean, oh, the guy was a shortstop in college. The guy, he, he hits better than his team does when he, I, used, I used to agree with this. I, until I know you look at the batting averages and you see that some of these pitchers <laughs> can't even hit their weight. And it's like, what are we really doing here? That's so accurate. Jacob DeGrom is, is a hell of a hitter as a pitcher. 225. That's his batting even, average. Even, yeah. even Thor. Yeah, I, I, I love watching I, I love watching Thor crush home runs. It was awesome. Thor hits like 180 or 170. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you see him once you know, two, every five days. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And you know what? You got, two, you got two-way players nowadays, so it's not like you're going to lose the pitcher's batting. I mean, you are. But, like, uh, <laughs> you're going you're gonna to not lose no. freaks batting. Here's what I suggest, right? You know how they sometimes televise NBA shoot-arounds like while they're interviewing people? Every, in college, this this I don't know if this is universal, but whenever the staff threw a shutout in college, you would get pitchers BP, right? And that and pitchers always try to go yak sauce. They try to go yard and BP. Yeah. You see what pitchers who could really hit. And if there's if any team th- like so like uh White Sox threw a no-no. We should be able to see the pitchers BP, see who could do like just like as like they're interviewing people. I think that would be fun. That's you know, so, like, that's so fun. I'd love to see like a pitcher's home run derby or something like that. But in today's <laughs> day and age, they do that. Four or five of those guys are going to go down with like shoulder sprains and be out for like three <laughs> that's, weeks. That's just how it is. That, Dude, Zach, Zach Gallon is Zach Gallon could have been so elite this year, and thankfully he's coming back now and not in uh, not in June. This guy hurt himself. He he like fractured his forearm taking swings. Like this is another reason why they're going to get rid of the DH. Uh, they're going to bring the DH into the National League, whether you like it or not, where the pitchers are hitting because pitchers are getting hurt. And I don't want to sound like a boomer saying that all oh, back in my day these guys weren't getting hurt. As he but, goes to sound like a boomer. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly everyone's getting hurt like nowadays, <laughs> and it's okay. Like I know the I know the feeling though. You go, you throw seven innings. The next day, you're like, oh, is this normal? Like, is my shoulder supposed to feel this way? It seems like there are more injuries, but there's also more advancements and more precautions and the necessary precautions to make sure guys don't go down. Um, but yeah, like we see, we'll see something like that. Like I always wanted a stolen base contest. Brett Gardner, that you kidding me? Jacoby Ellsbury, Jacoby Ellsbury my, would take a slide my, and be gone for three years. My pick for a stolen base contest is the guy right above you. That guy, that guy right there. Oh God! <laughs> Tim, Lac- Tim, Lac- Tim LaCastro's joined the show. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I will say, uh, throwing that in there, I, I, I will say that if we were to do a, a pitcher's a home run derby, I'd need Dontrell Willis to be in that. Like, he can, Yo, like, out shot. of retirement, out of retirement, <laughs> Dontrell Willis come back because that dude was a beast at the plate. That That's a pitcher that, like, when you saw him come up, like, you had a chance. You know, run as a score his- position. <laughs> He took his hacks. Yeah. Like, is Eric Campbell hitting eighth? Yeah, no, I want him to get to Dontrell Willis. Uh, shout out to our producer Speedy. He said Carlos yes. and Brian and Micah Owings, too. Micah Owings yeah. played first base in DH at Rice and used to hit yep. light well, he, tower he shots can, at Rice. 
He converted. Zambrano to... with MVP was a, always a great choice. <laughs> Let your pitcher hit. <laughs> <laughs> he converted. MVP is a video uh, game for PlayStation. Yes, by the way, for yes. those that don't know, He's, he didn't actually win MVP. Um, <laughs> yeah, what's uh, Micah Owings? I think he he DH'd in some spring training games for the Nationals one year. I remember. Um, you know, they got so going back with this two way player stuff. I know we're running short on time here. Um, maybe this will get Greg to uh, buy MLB the show so we could finally play Diamond Dynasty against each other. <laughs> you believe? I, he has a PlayStation, and I didn't even know that because all he does is he plays COD and stuff, if you couldn't tell from his headphones. But huh. <laughs> Road to the Show now, you can do a two-way player thing. I just got the game last night. It downloaded. You go into it as a two-way player, and that's Greg's like, oh, my God. That's right up Greg's alley. He could, he could DH, play uh, outfield first base, and then, uh, <laughs> and then pitch seven shutout innings. I, I think that that's something he would want to do, real-life or well, video game. Yeah, I think we still need to see more of that from Otani. Uh, you know, I think like we're still waiting on that. The blister on his fingers prevented him from pitching, but he's been crushing it. Exactly, later. and we want and we want these guys. We want these guys to do a home run derby. Yeah, you, God forbid one of them doesn't wear batting gloves. We won't see them for a month with the blister. Yeah, that, oh that, that isn't that isn't something necessarily that I think the MLB will uh, implement anytime no, soon. They will not. But uh, just just to wrap up for those for our fans that are uh, sticking with us, and you know, for a few weeks we haven't talked basketball. We do have basketball for you uh so we've seen the season play out we're uh, about to get into the playoffs here it's it was one of those it was a shortened off season right so we we know coming off the of playoffs it was uh the season started on december 22nd and it was supposed to be a 72 game season 10 games less than what it typically is but there's been a uh, a plethora of injuries in the nba which you know, you're from your star players to your role players. There's been so many injuries. And, you know, whether you look at that as just part of the course or it being a factor of the shortened offseason and not being allowed to rest their bodies, it is something that is impacting the game, uh, especially when you have, you know, faces of the NBA like LeBron James, AD, or James Harden that are not playing, right? Uh, KD, KD being that like as well. Well, yeah, KD didn't play last year, so that. it wasn't like he was coming off of you know a long mm. season where he yeah. was he didn't get to relax yeah. and, and rest. But I, I will say that 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 it has an impact, you know. So, uh, uh, Greg, I'm I'm curious to know what your your opinion is on this. Do you think that the the shortened season, the shortened off season, led to these injuries? And and if so, uh, what does that mean for you know this decision? It, did did it pay off? I absolutely think it played a role in it because when you look at a lot of the injuries, there are a lot of like lower extremity injuries, quads, hamstrings, uh, knees, you know. uh, Jamal Murray just tore his ACL. Yeah, and there's a lot of lower – and people may not realize, but when you play basketball, running on a hardwood is very strenuous on your joints. And when – and to do it at the level that these guys do it at, it takes a toll. And I I get it. Money is is the the almighty – you know, bottom dollar. Everybody wants to make their money. League wants to make their money. Players want to make their money. But now we're starting to see the players put their health and safety over the money, and they don't care. They're taking their rest. They're sitting out, and then it's affecting a product that's out. Uh, when you look at certain games, and you're like, who's this starting five? I think Washington started, the Wizards started starting five like two or three weeks ago. I didn't know who they were, you know? <laughs> With and that on, in mind, though, with all the injury stuff, what is your what is your what is your like kind of opinion on on the NBA fans' per, favorite proverbial punching bag uh, in load management? 
I actually think I don't think load management is a bad thing if done properly. If it like you don't rest during national games, because at the end of the day, it's about the product that you put on the floor. Because yes. in the playoffs, that's what people want to see. People want to see stars. So if they have to load manage in the regular season, frankly, I really don't care. And because NBA fans want to see the playoffs. The NBA regular season has become a mere formality because that we all know who's going to make the playoffs, give or take one or two teams don't, at the bottom. Don't tell, that, don't tell that to Carl, though. He'll get very Carl angry. will agree with me. <laughs> Carl will agree with me. Yeah, that's true. But, I mean, Carl, um, in the comments, you want to let us know? <laughs> yes, Carl, please. But uh, but then again, we can get Kawhi Leonard to play back to back games more than more than twice a year. I, I think that's I, not I mean, a hard. But I if you look, that. that that's fair. But he also has bad knees. So can you fault him for doing that in a shortened season, coming off the shortest off season ever? I'm just talking in general. I mean, but, I feel like but that's why he does it. But him. that's why he does it because he has bad knees. Right. And I already spoke to the the you know how playing the game is on the joints. And on top of that, I think this may potentially hurt the product going forward into next season, unless they have, unless these players have like a significant amount of time off, and they alter when the regular season actually starts, or they lessen the amount of games in the regular season. Yeah, that's possible. Yeah, no, I agree with everything you're saying. I think it did hurt the product, and ultimately, if it was about uh, making money or having eyeballs on the games, you're, you're losing that ultimately when you get when your star players are out for extended periods of time. But, uh, you know, you, you roll the dice as an organization, hoping that uh, this will all work out. That's why, you know, the shortened offseason made sense. Um, but like, like you said, looking at a lineup when you don't know who is playing, it's, you, you might as well be like a minor league game or, you know, play like watch, watch <laughs> a, G League, some a G League game. G League, G League. Oh, I was going to say even high school. Like, and I mean, not the play is going to be better, but like you don't know JBL. who the hell is there. <laughs> you know, so that, that, that makes sense to me. But uh, on that note, we're going to wrap it up. Thank you for joining us on this Friday edition of Smoke and Mirrors, presented by the Sports Hitlist on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Again, I'm your host, Stefan Polis, alongside my fellow hosts, Declan Krogman and Greg Polis. We had a blast today. Hope you did as well. Have a great weekend, and we'll be back again on Monday between 1 and 2. Take care. It, it, it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.